everybody, it's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes podcast. On this podcast, I talk to people who have said yes to a greater calling in their lives, people who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in the world. I'm super excited about my conversation today with Caroline Bortle. And before I get started on that, I'd just love to um, say hello to any new listeners that we have. I created Great Big Yes as just a way of encouraging people to say yes in their own lives. And so on this podcast, it's great because we get to hear stories of real life examples of people stepping outside of their comfort zone and really letting God lead them into um, really be able to design a life that they love and that they're excited about getting up every morning. Um, and you'll see today, you know, it's not always easy. And in, in Caroline's story, she tells us about her struggles with addiction and depression and anxiety. And so we get to kind of walk through that with her and see what she learned from that and kind of how her life has changed um, as she's walked through some of those challenges and difficulties. So with Great Big Yes, it's not about pretending that everything's perfect and that we have a perfect life, but more just an awareness of um, God's hand in our life. You know, we all were created with a plan and a purpose in mind. And we have specific gifts and specific talents. And we have desires in our heart that I believe were planted there by God. And so in Caroline's story today, you get to hear kind of how something that she had always wanted was like working in news and working in politics. And um, then it's interesting how her life changed and kind of what God invited her to do that, that took a lot of those talents and skills that she had. And it just shifted it for the glory of God. So it's a really awesome um, example that um, we can say yes to God, even when it's scary and even when we don't know what's going to happen, we can trust him. And so I love that. I just wanted to also just remind you, um, you can go to greatbigyes.com for all the show notes. So if she mentions something in the podcast, I will put a link to it at greatbigyes.com and I'll link to all the ways that you can connect with her. And as far as connecting with me on greatbigyes.com, if you click on the coaching link, um, you can learn more about life coaching. And I really feel like I am in my sweet spot where what I was designed to do. I'm so excited. I just recently um, finished my life coach training to be a professional life coach. And it is so fun for me. And I believe life coaching is something that everybody can benefit from. And it's just dedicated time for you to talk while the coach listens and asks questions. But really, it's about you being able to process where you are and where you want to go and then how to get there, right? So it's about living with intention. It's about living on purpose, living with awareness, you know, becoming aware of things that opportunities might come up for you or new desires coming up for you and kind of how to process all of that. You know, it's very rare that we have people listen to us who um, don't have skin in the game, right? So if you're telling your spouse about how you're feeling or your mom or your kids and you're talking about, you know, kind of your dreams and where you want to go next with people that are real close to you in your life, it's hard for them to listen without an agenda, It's not a bad thing. It's just what we do, right? So, and they know so much about you and they may be making assumptions and things like that. And so as your coach, I get to walk alongside of you and just listen to you and focus on that thing that we're 
um, talking about that day without any agenda except to encourage you on your walk. And so I just know that it's beneficial because I've been coached and I've loved it and I've learned so much and grown so much from it. And also just the feedback that I get from clients. And, you know, sometimes we also just need a shot in the arm, like a friend, an encourager, a cheerleader. I always say, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. You know, tell me what's going on. Let's do this. And so um, whatever you're looking for, what I would love to do is just have that 20-minute exploratory call with you. So if you look on my website, you can set up a time. Um, to have a free call where we just talk about what life coaching is and maybe what you'd want to be coached on and see if it's a good fit. And then I can go over with you what the difference between coaching and therapy is, and they're totally different. Coaching is all about moving you forward and getting you to where you want to be. And so I'm just really, really excited about it. Um, Great Big Yes has been around since 2010. And it's had lots of different um, things that I've been following and doing. Like I taught yoga for a long time and um, writing and podcasting, obviously, and speaking. And so all of that really, I feel like, has brought me to this place where I get to just walk alongside people and coach them in their lives. And so I would love to work with you. Um, All of the details and the packages and everything is online. You can always email me at greatbigyes1 at gmail.com. So now on to Caroline. So she tells us her story, and I'm just so grateful that she really shares with us authentically and transparently about her struggles. Um, If you know anyone who's suffering from anxiety or addiction, I would invite them to listen to this call. Um, Anybody that's kind of going after a dream, um, she has her Etsy shop and she's making bracelets and Um, So there's a lot of facets to this. She ends um, our conversation, I won't ruin it, but with like six tips for life, which I love. And so um, I can't wait for you to hear um, just the wisdom from her. And yeah, enjoy. Please let me know what you think. Feel free to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We would love that. That helps. And share with your friends. Thank you for being here so much. And it is just my hope and my prayer that you are saying yes in your own life. And if you're not, if you're hesitating, if you're struggling, if you need someone to talk to, um, please, I would love to walk alongside of you. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Caroline Bordal. So she is the face behind EWTN's Church Pop. And so she's the digital content coordinator over there. And so I love that she's just spreading the message of faith through social media. She's also the creator of Be Still by Caroline. And that's an Etsy shop. And that's how it started. And now it's really turned into um, a vibrant Instagram community. And so I'd love for you to check her out over there. Like I said, I'll put the links in greatbigguest.com show notes. She lives in Denver now. And like I said, she's going to share her story with us. Um, and I know that you'll enjoy it. So Thank you for being here. Enjoy. Awesome. All right. Well, hi, Caroline. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for saying yes to coming on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm really excited too. So just to kind of start everybody off, can you introduce yourself and tell us what Be Still by Caroline is? 
So my, my name's Caroline, and I'm the Caroline behind Be Still by Caroline. Mm-hmm. And Caroline, uh, Caroline, Be Still by Caroline, it's constantly changing. So right now, and it's just, it's so funny how God works because Be Still by Caroline started as a uh, small business or as I so gracefully call it, a side hustle. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, um, a side hustle in addition to my full-time job. And it started as that. And then I saw a need for something more than just a shop. Um, and I sell, so I sell bracelets and they're cut. They're a saint bracelets. They're like Christian Catholic bracelets. Um, and then now it's turned into more of a kind of a community for me to share my story and like you make people feel less alone in their struggles and kind of create that authentic relationship. I mean, it's Christ centered. You know, I talk a lot about my faith, Mm -hmm. but it's also showing people that other things happen in my life. Um, And of course, faith touches all of it, but you know, I share a lot of pictures of my cat and um, (laughs) funny moments from my life. And yeah. Well, I love that because it makes it relatable. And just Uh for the listeners, I want to say the the way that I found you is my daughter is friends with your sister and Mm -hmm. um, kind of turned me onto your Instagram. And I started looking and I just saw that faith was, um, you know, obviously a big thread in what you do. And I, I want to talk about your journey, but I also love the idea of just talking about for the listeners, like, doing something you love, like you started making bracelets. And I'm just curious, like, had you always loved jewelry or had you always made jewelry or was this like a new thing to you? Okay. So this is, it's not like a funny story, but it's kind of funny how God works. Okay. So I came back to the church, which we'll talk about this later. Like I came back to the faith. I had like a little conversion coming back to the faith and I was working in Catholic media um, and I was finding myself having a really hard time, like balancing my anxiety and depression and all of that. And my faith because Mm -hmm. I wasn't really connecting them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was almost living like a double life. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so, um, and I include this little story of how it came about um, with all my orders, but you know, like my journey with Be Still began with hope of overcoming my feelings of restlessness, anxiety, depression, uh, with the help of my faith. And I was doing that. I was trying different methods of doing that. And then I realized that when I was doing something with my hands, I was able to calm down. Um, I don't know if you've seen, you know, those little like fidget spinner? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So... I've had ADD my whole life, um, but those fidget spinners, I realized I like found one. I was like, oh my gosh, these are, this is so therapeutic. Just like doing something with my hands. I could think clearly. I could sit still. Yep. So I was able to be still. See see what I did there? Yeah, um, I see what you did there. I was there. able I to it. be still when I was doing something with my hands. So I started making, I first started crocheting that was terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tried needle points. That wasn't good. So I was like trying all these things. And then I started making bracelets for family and friends um, with little, you know, saint medals on them. And they loved them. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
this is also around the time where I was getting a bunch of dental work done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, this is expensive. And let's see if I could start selling these bracelets to afford my root canals. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then it ended up like, it ended up doing really well and people really liked it. And so I kind of created a little business out of it. And my faith grew because yeah. I was using, um, it was kind of a way for me every morning, and I still do this today, get up and instead of thinking about my day and wrestling around and trying to pray, but also trying to be productive, I was sitting and I was being still making bracelets. And I was um, pondering over like quotes and passages from scripture and things that would kind of provide like a conversation starter. Uh-huh. So I would read a quote or a, um, a passage of scripture, whatever it was. And I was able to sit there and ponder on those words and it led into like a beautiful prayer routine. So I love that. It started as like my mission to not live that double life and to connect my faith and my mental illness or whatever they call it nowadays, my struggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about your struggles, like with anxiety and depression and addiction and kind of what you went through? Okay. Well, you know, I'm not going to keep you here forever. And I actually, <laughs> I talk a lot about it on my Instagram. So if anybody, you know, wants to hear more, but I, when I was younger, I was always kind of an anxious, um, an anxious kid, not to the point where other people would notice because anxiety manifests itself in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. right? Like some people think that you're just neurotic and like shaking and whatever. Other people think that it's this way, you know, with depression, a lot of people think that you're sad all the time, whatever. So I, looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've suffered with this for a lot longer than I realized. It just so happened that it took big events in my life to be like, okay, I need to take care of this. Um, And so I had anxiety and um, depression as in less like a lack of motivation and just kind of a hopeless, like blah feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And a bunch, you know, some traumatic things happened in my life that kind of led me to recognizing that addiction, my journey with addiction, I would like to say I started drinking and using drugs because I was trying to escape from my mental illness, because that would be so easy to kind of be like, yeah, this is why I started doing that. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like, it's, you know, I started drinking just like most normal kids start drinking, you Mm -hmm. know, to socialize to have fun. And it just so happened that I do have that addictive gene slash predispositions of events in my life that kind of took it a step further. Yeah. And I, so it all started, you know, innocently enough. And the crazy thing about it, and this is for any listener who's like thinking that alcoholics, I'll just do alcohol because that was my, that was my first love. Okay. That's what we call it. Like alcohol is my first love. And then when alcohol stopped working, I turned to drugs. Drugs is what led me to recovery, which, you know, in a weird way, I'm grateful that I dipped into the drug world, but but alcohol is just so insidious. So I realized that I was still able to drink and also like function in the regular world. Okay. Mm -hmm. I never lost a job. I never got a DUI. I never 
like all of these things that people think make you part, like make you an addict or an alcoholic never happened to me. Like never. And so I was, I got all A's in high, in a, not in high school, gosh, not in high school, but in college, I got all A's in, um, in college and I had a great internship at Fox news in New York city, which is when I kind of learned the work hard, play hard. And I realized that, Oh, I could have like a, you know, a mimosa in the morning. And then it kind of turned into a beer in the morning. And I mean, fast forward to my rock bottom, which happened in Dallas, Texas. I was drinking a case of beer a day. No joke. And I I weigh like, I mean, I weigh like 130, 120. Yeah. Um, And I was drinking a case of beer a day. And it was just to function. Like, it, I wasn't even getting drunk anymore. It was just to kind of like maintain that level buzz. Um, and then I, of course, when you seek out sorted places, you know, you are the company you keep. And I ended up finding, um, you know, got into drugs. And I think my tipping point was a really violent episode that happened in my life that kind of, you know, led me to realize that, I, if I wanted to do good things with my life, I had to kind of get over the things that may inhibit me from doing that. So Mm -hmm. I kept living the same life and I wouldn't pause and reflect on what was happening in my life or work on self-care, all those things. Um, So luckily, uh, by the grace of God, I've been clean and sober for almost four years. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So did you, were you, were there people around you that were bringing this to your attention or was this something that you kind of discovered on your own? You know, I'm curious always about people that might think they need help. Like where did you go first? How did that, how how did that happen? Okay. So in college, my last, so I took a victory lap. That's what I like to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I lived with two gals that were in my sorority. One of them is going to be in my wedding next year. Like we're still close. Uh, surprisingly, I mean, I did everything to burn every bridge in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm still friends with a lot of the people that um, that I was even around when I was drinking. So in college, it was like that last semester where I started blacking out and mm-hmm. like my days kind of started running together. Yeah. But on the outside, unless you were living under the same roof, you wouldn't realize what I was like when I kind of turned the facade off because when I was in public, you know, if I knew I was kind of getting a little too drunk or whatever, I would leave because I was so, so adamant about protecting my addiction that I wouldn't let anybody get wind that I was losing control. Um, so my roommates ended up approaching me and that's when I started hiding it because I realized that people were actually noticing. Yeah. Uh, so they had said a couple things. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I was able to kind of avoid that. Um, and then keep in mind, I did not live with my parents. I mean, I went to school out of state and then I was moving around with jobs and internships. Like I lived in New York city then I lived in Michigan. And even when I lived in Dallas, like I was never around my family or mm-hmm. people that would not necessarily care. Cause a lot of people cared about me, but people that would look and be like, Hey, what's up? Um, and even when people would mention drinking, 
I think it was hard for them because they didn't have like a, hey, as I said, like, hey, you got a DUI, you have to stop or hey, you caused this scene the other night, that's a sign. I was still maintaining, you know, I was still doing good at my job. I would actually, and I still believe this kind of today that I, I didn't have anxiety and I worked in like a social, I mean, I worked in politics during like when I was kind of getting bad. Um, so it was all kind of, it was conducive to my lifestyle at the time. You were functioning and not only functioning, but you were succeeding by all outward appearances. Yeah. Yeah. It was bizarre. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it wasn't until Dallas when people like, there was a couple times when I stopped, um, where I walked a bar tab. So there was this little bar that me and my, my drug dealer who, you know, we had a weird relationship that I would go to. And there was a couple times where I would walk my bar tab, like, cause I was drunk and I would get an Uber home. I literally put Uber drivers, like I probably paid for like all of their college education. However, you know, like, I never drove drunk. So, but Actually, let me ask you, so times, when but. you say you, are you saying you walked the bar tab, meaning you left without paying? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And that was when my drug dealer, okay. Mm-hmm. His name was Jason. I'm just going to say, so Jason said, Hey, Caroline, you have a drinking problem. You've been walking your bar tab and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, you sell cocaine for a living. Right. I'm not going to listen to you, you know? Right. And even, so even when I went but my rock bottom after that whole episode, I even went home and my parents were shocked because mm-hmm. I was so good at hiding, like living that double life and like putting that, you know, that face on. Yeah. And my parents were like, what in the world? And even at that point, I was blaming it all on mental illness. Like I need a facility. I'm going crazy. And my, I remember my mom being like, well, maybe it's the drinking. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's not the drinking, not the drugs. It's, it's just mental illness. Mm-hmm. Was, it's crazy how your addiction wants so much to protect itself. Yes. So yeah, my, my entire family, it was, it was, it definitely shook them because they were very surprised. They knew that I drank, but they didn't know how far it had gone. Did they, when they looked at you, they could tell, or they just, t- you mean, because you were actually drinking now at home? Well, so when I went home, I told them that I was having problems. Like I showed up at my parents' doorstep and I actually, I had a black guy because my drug dealer, Jason had punched me in the face. It was terrible. Wow. I had a black eye and looking back at pictures, I was kind of getting a little puffy in the face, like, well, you know, like that's how drinking normally influences you. Yeah. Um, A little puffy in the face that could have been drugs too. But I mean, they had, I was always able to like maintain like drinking, you know, a lot of people, it's not like, you know, a lot of people drink. Yeah. So it's not like they were like, Oh, we noticed that you were drinking. I mean, I was able to kind of keep it at that level around them and they, they had no, and they didn't know about the drugs definitely. So that was a huge surprise to them. And it wasn't until when I had gone back that I was shaking and going through withdrawal and I had to go to the hospital because they were like, oh my gosh, what's going on with you? And the doctor was like, yeah, that's, this is a withdrawal from alcohol. And my, I just remember my mom looking at me and just crying, being yeah. like, what? You've been drinking so much that you're withdrawing? 
So did you go to rehab then? or So you went to the hospital and then did you kind of do all this on your own or how did you? No. Okay. No. I went to rehab. I yeah. ended up, um, I ended up going uh, to Minnesota to Hazelden Betty Ford up there. I would strongly recommend it to anyone. Um, yeah. And I went there and of course it's a journey that at first you're glad to be there. It's kind of a relief, like, yeah, like an I'm escape. Safe. Because mm-hmm. yeah, because I was all about escaping. So I go there and I'm like, yes, I escaped from all my problems. You know, like yeah. I I don't I never have to see the bar that I walked all those tats at, like all this stuff. And then I remember being there and being like, Oh my gosh, this is real. Like there's no turning back. I already admitted to it being a problem. I can't be like, Hey, just kidding. I yeah. totally over exaggerated. <laughs> right. So how long were you in rehab then? I was there. I was in the inpatient program, um, despite my best efforts to get out. And that that was so important that I went in a different state because if I had known anyone in that area, I know myself, I would have been like, Hey, come pick me up. I don't want to be here, but I didn't have any other option. So I was in inpatient for 60 days. Then I went to a halfway house, which is like a step out of that for 60 days. Then I was in sober living. Um, it was essentially like, I like to think of it as a sorority house for sober people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was in sober living for eight months. Um, and then I, around a little bit before I had a year clean and sober, I moved to Denver. Wow. That's an amazing story. I thank you for sharing that because I really do believe that a lot of young people and adults, a lot of us in general, you know, you drink socially and that's kind of how it Mm -hmm. starts. And then it can get really out of control pretty quickly. I think there's a lot of access to just alcohol and drugs everywhere you go now, I feel like. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that story. I'm interested to hear like in that process, I know you have a really strong faith. So how, like, what did God teach you through this? I know a lot, but like, what are some of the things? I remember I was in, and I tell this story um, in a couple of talks I've done, but I was in, cause when I went up to treatment, it wasn't like I just waltzed and everything was great. I ended up having really bad withdrawals, like hallucinations and you can die from that. So they took me to like a psych ward slash medical detox center. And I remember I'm sitting there and I like, I had felt so in the weeks or like in Dallas when I was like contemplating ending my life and all of this stuff, which is a completely different um, conversation. But Mm -hmm. I remember being like, I can't even turn to God. Like, and it's not, it's not like I ever like, doubted God like a lot of people when they go through hard times they're like where was God in all this why would God let this happen to me I was never like that I was just a I had a very casual relationship with him like a very like convenient relationship right like Mm -hmm. if someone said like are you Christian and I'm I'm Catholic so I'm like yeah I am Christian but Mm -hmm. but I didn't put my money where my mouth was I saw like I acted like that right um and so I remember I was laying in uh, in the psych ward, and I just remember being like, God, like just God, you know, and I prayed the serenity prayer. That was the first prayer I had prayed in forever. And the next morning I woke up and I was good. I mean, I it kind of like realigned myself. And so 
I started rebuilding that relationship with God. And I did it through, um, you know, like the saint, St. John Paul II. Mm-hmm. He was great. You know, Mother Mary, I like started kind of taking different steps into approaching Jesus and, you know, approaching Jesus and kind of rekindling that relationship. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So then you moved to Denver and then in Denver, is that like when you started um, Be Still by Caroline? Like did the bracelet making like start then or kind of what's the trajectory of kind of how it all started unfolding? So this is another example of how God kind of started working in my life. I, as I had mentioned, I was always about like, I am who I am what I do. Yeah. Like, I, you know, when someone would ask about me, it was always like, oh, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm doing. This is my job. Like my identity was my resume. And Mm. before it was awesome because it kind of prevented people from knowing like what was actually going on. So when I moved to Denver, I lived with my grandparents for like six months ish um, until I got my own place. I'm very serious about the stepping stones when you get sober. Yeah. Um, And I remember being there and I was looking for jobs everywhere. And I was mainly at this time looking in fields that I had worked for or worked in in the past, like politics and news. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like God was sitting up there and he's just laughing. He's like, oh my gosh. He goes, haven't I shown you that the gifts I've given you, you've been using them in the wrong ways. Like Paul, the apostle, where he, like on his road to Damascus, where he like falls off his high horse and he has this big conversion, realizing that he had been using his gifts to like for other reasons, like persecuting Christians. And then he ended up using those same gifts that he had been misusing and turning to evangelizing for God and being, you know, one of God's like right hand men. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, he's my favorite. And Uh so, um, and so I was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going Like, I don't know what to do. And it was a total God moment that I got called by a Catholic news agency and they said, hey, we want you to be the face of this brand. It's called Church Pop. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And so I said my first yes. And during that yes is when I realized, like I learned so much about what God was calling me to do. And after a year of working there, a little over a year, I think, I realized that, okay, like something's missing. Like God is calling me to do more than just like talk about the faith in a relatable way. Cause that was great. You know, when I was doing that and I was letting people know like, Hey, you could still be in this world, but not be of this world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can still like, we're called to be vessels of Christ's love in, you know, in our communities and our families but something was missing. And I think that he almost like gave me or like used my anxiety, something that I was adamant about curbing because it, you know, associated with like going back to drinking or going back to using drugs. So that's when I realized that, Oh, God doesn't want me just to like authentically portray Christianity, you know, to others, but to use my story and doing so. Mm. And that's when Be Still started. It started um, February 1st, 2018. So it's a little over a year old. Oh, so it's really not that old. I love it. It's just getting, dude, you're just getting rolling. Yeah, it's I just love a it. baby. Yeah. Just a baby. Um, 
So that's amazing. I mean, I love the the concept of, and it's so true, like kind of shifting and and using your gifts to serve the Lord and serve people. And what I think is so cool is that a Catholic news agency called you when that was your, you know, it's like God's still using the things that you love, like politics and news and like your gifting in that area and what you were going for in general, but he's just reshifting it for like, kingdom work. Right. He's like shifting my perspective because even all of the tools that I learned, like I kind of get goosebumps talking about it, even all of the tools. So I worked in social media. I taught myself everything I know Mm -hmm. and all of the tools that I had been teaching myself in politics, in news, like about networking, being authentic, creating relationships, whatever it was, I'm using all of those tools, but with a faith motivation, not just a, you know, a, like a robotic, no Jesus included motivation. Right. Right. (laughs) Not to say that, not to, and that not to say that people that are working in those environments aren't faith-based, like aren't motivated by their faith, but me, that was not the case for me. And so I literally did a shift Yes. of, you know, I'm essentially kind of doing the same thing. Um, social media wise, like my full-time job, but what yeah, is your full time job? I'm the social media, the face of the Church Pop brand, and it's under EWTN, which is a global Catholic network. And I'm the face of the Church Pop brand, and so I speak at events. I do all their social media. Um, cool. I'm kind of yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, and I grew up Catholic, and so I know that like we, the Catholic Church needs this. They need. Oh um, my gosh, yes. They need this, like re- the realness, right? Like the connection mm-hmm. and putting it in a language that people understand and relating it to real life. So, right. I love right. that you're doing that. Yeah, I'm and gonna. It's put, not like dumbing it down. You know, it's not no. like watering down the faith, but. Right. And I'm going to put all of the links. I'll um, have you send me the links and stuff and I'll put them in, on greatbigyes.com in the show notes so people can find Church Pop if, um, mm-hmm. you know, if they're looking for that. So, and also for sure, find your bracelets and everything um, yes. and by Caroline for sure. Um, so moving forward, what do you see? Like, is he placing any new dreams in your heart? Is, you know, are you feeling led in any other directions? Well, a couple, I mean, a couple directions, which is why I'm so one that I get an inspiration, like in prayer or doing whatever. And I'm like, that's, that's what God's will is for me. Got to do it. But I find myself like convincing myself, like, all right, yeah, Caroline, like, why wouldn't God want you to do that? And like rationalizing that, oh no, this is totally God's will rather than taking the time and being like, okay, like, you mean you like jump forward with it? Like, do you jump? Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, I like very impulsive. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like a blessing and a curse. Yes. So I recently wrote a book and I don't have the link for that yet because it hasn't been released. Um, so the publish, the release date is to be determined. Okay. But I wrote a children's book on the Catholic saints because I'm very much into um, into looking at these holy men and women and how they suffered and how we can model our journey, our path to holiness through their example. And so um, I wrote a book. And so that's something that's on my mind, kind of dipping more into 
um, like family ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I'm getting married next year. So that's obviously like a good timing of, you know, starting my own family. Yeah. And I think for right now, it's just to continue speaking events. I have this past year, I've been doing more speaking events, and, you know, more podcasts like this and kind of sharing my story. And so I think I'm just going to keep doing that and wait until God kind of points me into who he wants me to touch. Because my goal is just to like resonate in like someone's heart, just someone, yeah. you know? I love that. Yes. And he leads us to those people and mm-hmm. he even prepares those hearts. And so when we meet them and we get to share our story, it resonates with them because of his spirit in them that's already prepared them for it. So I trust that. Exactly. As well. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's so so beautiful. And I just love that you, um, it's, it's interesting, the saints thing, I still say in my mind, if, I don't know if you ever did this one, but whenever we lose something in our house, we pray to saints. Yes. Tony, Tony, look around, something's lost and can't be found. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, oh my gosh. That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so some of that stuff still, um, you know, sticks with me, but I think it's beautiful. And your bracelets are gorgeous and so much fun. Do you do any other jewelry or just bracelets? So bracelets are my main thing. And I, because it's not my full-time job, like I don't want to overwhelm myself because that is something that I definitely want to do as well. So every Tuesday, every Tuesday I place new listings on my shop. So I always tell people if you go to the Etsy shop and you don't see something you like, set your alarm for the following Tuesday. Cause I'm always updating my shop every Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and then I've also been doing like seasonal releases. Uh, so for instance, more recently, I have like a limited number of choker necklaces that there's like only like 10 of them on my shop, right? It was just for spring, just a fun thing for spring. And so every season I have like little, you know, limited edition things that whether I had time to kind of create more pieces or dip into some other form of jewelry, um, but bracelets are my main thing. Well, and they have great gifts. Like you could do like a whole spring line with it's like first communion and confirmation and graduation and like all of those events. Yeah. That's so exciting. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, and like the different saints I talk about, like the patronage and like, I know a lot of my friends that aren't Catholic Mm -hmm. will wear a St. Christopher bracelet because he's the patron of travel of yeah. traveling and like what's the harm of right. <laughs> or a saint anthony bracelet if you yeah. lose things all the time or yeah um or saint michael the archangel for protection so right. all of the saints on my shop just kind of let you know who, who they're known for like what they're known for oh i um, love that so it's really cool yeah you always just have a little friend on your wrist and they're actually like really i mean i'm biased but they're really pretty they're not one that screams like, Hey, I'm Christian jewelry. It's just a really pretty bracelet. (laughs) Well, I think that's important. It's kind of like we were saying about the church needs like younger voices kind of making it relatable. And it's the same with, Mm -hmm. I think the bracelets are beautiful too. And I think, you know, sometimes when you're looking for a gift, that's like kind of, you know, Christian or whatever. Um, it's not always so appealing. Like some of the things you're like, Oh, I, well, but I wouldn't wear that or I don't. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that you're making it like cool and like pretty, (laughs) um, but also meaningful. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's I a lot love of fun. Well, um, okay. So I appreciate you. Now you're on Etsy. So where do people look if they want to come and look at the bracelets? So you can, if you have the Etsy app or just the website, you can search for a shop. Like it gives you an option to search for a shop and you just type in be still by Caroline and you can go and go to my main page it has, it's sorted by metal, like the types of metals that I have. And there's like dainty charms. Um, there's two different style bracelets, the beaded ones and the dainty ones. And then it has my seasonal releases. And so you can just go through, browse all of them just by scrolling through. Or if you're searching for something specific, you can go to one of the sections. Another thing I always say is if you need help finding a saint, like a particular saint or like finding something for something, you know, like, Hey, Caroline, who's the patron of someone struggling with this or someone that's doing this and I can help you. So you can message me on Etsy or on Instagram. And who is the patron saint? Is there a patron saint of addiction or anxiety? Yes. Um, St. Maximilian Colby is the patron of addiction and he is actually the patron of my fiance and I's relationship. My fiance is not Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not baptized, nothing, but he loves St. Maximilian Colby. So it's just that my relationship with my fiance is a completely different example of how God is working in the hearts of anyone and everyone. Yeah. Um, but St. Maximilian Colby is the patron of addiction. And then St. Dimpna is the patron of mental illness. But a lot of the saints can be used for mental illness because a lot of them struggled with that. So tell me before we go, like what, how do you stay on track? I mean, it sounds like from making jewelry and all of that's helping. um, How, what would you suggest to someone who might be struggling with anxiety or mental illness or maybe um, addiction? Like, what would you say to them? Like, what what would you say to yourself when you were in that? Okay. So I have kind of like this rule of five that I try to check off. Um, And this kind of goes for both addiction and mental illness. Number one, wake up at the same time every day, even on the weekends, and have it be before eight o'clock in the morning. Because I don't know why there's something special about waking up early and kind of having that time to yourself, like not rushing through I'm a huge fan of waking up early and you may think you're not a morning person, but you'd be surprised. Yeah. The second one is make your bed, make your bed. I never made my bed. And even if that's the only thing I do today, I did something productive. So make your bed. The third one is, um, is have like a prayer routine. Like I always have prayer cards on my mirror. So like when I'm getting ready, even if it's just like reciting those prayers, um, I say the guardian angel prayer every morning. Um, just little, like have a little prayer routine that yeah. you do while you're getting ready. And then another one, I think, was that number four? That was three. So wake up, same okay, time three. every day, make your bed, a prayer yeah. routine. Yeah. Number four, get a planner, an actual like written planner. I love planner. a lot of people just use their phones. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be one of those fancy ones. A lot of people are like doing like the bullet journal, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Make a planner and don't overdo yourself. Like if like I try to use this rule and I don't know 
which like big like success story I heard this from, but I try to have only three big things on my to-do list. And yeah, there may be more things that I need to get done, but anything that like can wait a day, I try to only have three things that I really need to get done. That's awesome. And then the last one is when you're around your family at night or like when I'm around Marshall, don't be around your phone because that for me, I can tend to overwork. And then I end up like missing out on a lot of great conversation or, you know, I don't want people in my life to feel like they have a back burner to my vocation. Like my vocation as number one is to be a wife, a mother, uh, you know, whatever your vocation is. Mm -hmm. But that needs to take priority over your work um, or else you kind of become, you know, your value comes from what you do, as I was saying. So your value just needs to come from who you are as God's child, as a child of God, as a woman of God, and to influence people in actual relationships. Because if you don't, you know, if you're constantly on your email, on social media, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So that's number five is, especially someone that's prone to anxiety, put your phone away when you're around other people. Okay. So you, those are amazing. Like I love those rules for anybody in life, just good life rules. I'm going to be posting. Oh, and one more. Okay. I forgot this one. There's, I knew that there were six, the rule of three. So I have this rule of three that I talk about all the time and it comes from a lot can happen in three days. Like Jesus died and was resurrected in three days. Okay. Like the worst day and the best day. So before reacting to any big, like, like conversation, dramatic, anything, like whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, pause, whether it's for three minutes, three seconds, three days, three hours, like the rule of three is so important, especially Mm. when like, you don't have to answer your phone or answer a question right away. And it's just been so powerful to wait that, like that rule of three for me. I Um, love that. So that, that was number six. I completely forgot. So sorry about oh, that. I love but those, it. Are, no. those are my things. <laughs> I'm going to share them on greatbigyes.com. I love them. And it's funny that you bring up making your bed because I was making my bed this morning and I was thinking of how, of that rule. Cause I had, um, you know, heard somebody speaking on that once and had totally taken it to heart. Cause I think it does make such a difference in the way you start your day. Um, and so I was just considering that as I was making the bed this morning and then you brought it up again. So, um, it's so funny. I love that. Well, this is amazing. I mean, you can tell you just have so much wisdom from all of the things you've been through and you've been so, uh, generous to share them with us. And I know, um, that God's going to use them to bless people for sure. And so I just thank you for coming on. It's great to get to know you and I can't wait to see where God leads you in the future. Well, thank you so much. It just, it means so much that people like that, you know, it's just a sign that by being honest with myself and really like, again, pausing and you're not going to know God's will for you right away. Like he's not a genie and he's not a slot machine. Like yeah, you just got to wait a it out. Machine, my pastor says, yeah, totally. Yeah. It'd be yeah. nice. <laughs> but then if we really, but if we really knew exactly what God wanted us to do, we would never talk to him. We would never have that relationship with him. So true. We knew him completely. Yeah. So. Amen. Awesome. Well, that's a good place. Amen. Thank you again. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right.